Hello and welcome to the Get Him Kitty podcast. My name is Marcus K. Dowling. As promised, I've seen you soon before I saw you later. Welcome. I'm a creator, curator, innovator, and iconoclast. On this show, in 30 minutes or less, we solve for a future we love by obsessing over the past and appreciating the present. In this episode, we discuss the DIY baker boom during the coronavirus pandemic. Now that we've set the stage, here's a bit of backstory. Uh, As noted in my introduction, I am a creator. I say creator very loosely because I create everything from four-story retro-themed nightclubs in the heart of Washington, D.C., Decades Nightclub, to creating... I was an Amazon seller in the mid-2000s. I sold, uh, resold books from my own bookshelf, and I also sold DIY arts and crafts. Uh, one of my very good, dear best friends in the world is Tina Barris, a.k.a. Tina Henry Barris, rather, a.k.a. Tina Sea Monster, who's been one of the uh, more iconic sellers in the DIY marketplace over the last 20 years. Uh, she had a hand in establishing uh, the Washington City Papers DIY reseller efforts. Uh, they had a uh, summer event, I believe. She's also the uh, the head of the uh, the Grump Winter Carnival, which uh, is a DIY reseller event of all sorts of holiday uh, trinkets and goods. And on top of that, her Tina Sea Monster brand uh, was one of the iconic brands on Etsy, which we're going to talk about a great deal in this episode. Uh, as Etsy's been around for just over, gosh, almost the past like 25 years, uh, dominating the uh, the more organic DIY reseller space and DIY seller space too. So I say this only because in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, when everybody lost their jobs and had to work from home, people literally started to work from home. Uh, an unprecedented number of people began doing things like posting naked photos of themselves on OnlyFans, to starting Patreons, to also growing in use of Etsy, as well as Etsy's competitor, as well, many most businesses' competitors are. For the last six years, uh, Amazon's maker marketplace. Uh, as a person who I'm almost solely digital and online in my purchasing habits, and this is before COVID. So I'm one of those people that, yes, I use Amazon. Yes, I use Etsy. Yes, I use DoorDash. I was using it before COVID. Uh, Not that I don't like people or not that I don't like going out, but I'm a full-time freelancer. So I'm recording this podcast literally in a break between uh, writing three different pieces. And uh, I'll probably have 30 pieces of varying length go live this week, which is probably a record. Might be, maybe, could be. I actually haven't been that busy, this busy since 2014. So, and I was working at Complex then. So in any, any event, I don't have time necessarily sometimes to like get up and go out. And at the same time also, you know, for many years, I was a competitive half marathoner. I ran off my first full marathon in the middle of COVID. So I don't have time necessarily to like go out and grab some food. Or if I'm on a run and I'm really super hungry and I want to get back and I want to carb load or protein build, then I'm going to order some food while I'm on my way back. So that as soon as I finish my run, maybe the DoorDash delivery person is coinciding with my return to the house. So that's generally what I do. So I'm very well versed in the space as a consumer. 
So the thing that I'm finding intriguing, and I'll read you some data here to start this uh, this conversation, is in the third and fourth quarter alone of 2020 and 2021, Etsy experienced 118% and 129% growth. Uh, Josh Silverman, who's Etsy Inc.'s chief executive officer, noted, 2020 was an inflection point in the history for e-commerce and for Etsy, with millions of buyers choosing us for their everyday needs as we lived up to our mission to, to keep commerce human. We are particularly gratified that circumstance met preparedness, highlighting the agility of our team and the power of our differentiated strategy. In conjunction with achieving record 2020 consolidated financial results of approximately 10.3 billion and 1.7 billion in revenue, we provided economic opportunity for millions of creative entrepreneurs, cared for our team and communities, invested deeply in technology, improved customer experiences, expanded Etsy's global visibility through world-class marketing strategies and gained meaningful market share. We are just getting started executing on our long-term growth strategy focused on highly differentiated and defensible competitive advantages within a $1.7 trillion market opportunity. So that's Etsy. Etsy grew onto unprecedented levels. So you're going to hear me type as I'm on the computer right now. So I'm going to pull up something as well. Put up Amazon's revenue for 2020. During the last quarter of 2020, Amazon generated total net sales of approximately 125.5 billion US dollars, surpassing the 87.4 billion US dollars in the same quarter of 2019. So let's take a look at that. Let's do the, the math while we're on air doing this podcast and Amazon's growth in revenue was 43% from 2019 to 2020. And again, to compare this to Etsy, Etsy came in at $1.7 billion in revenue, whereas Amazon had literally $125 billion. That's $124 million more than Etsy. So on top of that, we consider the idea that Amazon has a maker's marketplace for DIY makers. Uh, the benefit of Amazon doing this is that they want to diversify their streams of access to goods because Amazon has become such a potent good seller and they have so many different various streams of access to commerce and profit that being able to trickle that down to DIY users makes sense. Amazon, of course, at the time that they released their makers portal in 2015, had 285 million active buyers compared to Etsy's 22 million. So if you look at those numbers and you compare them to the 100 time revenue that uh, Amazon had, 100% revenue growth basically that Amazon had over Etsy, the idea that they were 10 times as large, or maybe it's 15 times as large in the year 2015 
to the point where they are now, with the midst of COVID, doing a hundred almost a hundred percent more revenue than Etsy says everything. Of course, when you get something from Amazon's uh, Maker's Marketplace, you don't get the the cute packaging or the cute advertising that you get from DIY makers, who are you know I think that what Etsy does that's important is that Etsy's able to fill in the gaps where Amazon can't because Amazon is such a large seller that they do large, big budget, big box, uh, Chinese made good uh, service very well. So if you need a bow tie or you need a shoelace or you need a white undershirt or you need a mascara remover, they're going to have that and it'll be relatively inexpensive given the cost of creation versus the revenue opportunity. However, if you need a 1989 Washington football team, Doug Williams, a touch of class t-shirt, which I own one from in Etsy reseller, you're probably not going to find that on Amazon, but you will be able to find it more than likely on Etsy. Uh, that's the great benefit there is that you, uh, in the same way that the uh, the marketplace for people who do secondhand goods and secondhand clothing is so prevalent, you find the same thing on Etsy. It's a beautiful thing, and there's even some you know secondhand stores that you know place their same. Their same goods available on Etsy too. So there's a lot of places that I shopped at or I love to shop at that I've learned about during the, uh, the, the last year of the pandemic that were actually physical stores that because of Etsy were able to move their entire inventory online, which is, you know, for if you're a secondhand reseller and you're able to put your entire catalog of goods online after having invested in purchasing them and, you know, kind of like, curating a store, being able to still do that in the digital space is incredible. So the reason why we have this episode is that basically I see the DIY marketplace as the next revenue generator out of COVID. I see the uh, the lack of physical stores, the lack of brick and mortars because of the high rents and the inability of people to pay those rents as something that doesn't necessarily have to look like a bad thing. Uh, can be a great opportunity for a space like Etsy that's experienced unprecedented growth to be able to double down. And even if they don't reach Amazon's heights, and I don't think anybody's reaching Amazon's heights anytime soon, even places like Walmart, even places like, you know, Jet.com, whatever, that are consolidating, you know, large big box retailers into online spaces, I, I still don't see them coming anywhere near what Amazon is doing. But Etsy uniquely because of the way that they've curated this DIY aesthetic, it's a very punk rock place. Uh, it's, you know, like a very highly tightly curated place in a lot of ways. And the fact that you're able to find literally the opposite, the polar opposite in some cases of things that you're looking for typically on a site like Amazon. I think there's a balanced relationship that can occur as we start to maneuver more significantly into an online first, real-time second marketplace. So are there pitfalls to where this heads? I'm not entirely sure, but we will discuss 
the next steps in regards to the emergent DIY marketplace in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic after this commercial break. Interested in recording a podcast like GetMKD? Well, it's as easy as pressing a button on your phone. Just like I did, you can download Anchor, a free app with creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Everything you need to make a podcast is available in one place. Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. And we're back. A lot of people say a lot of terrible things, of course, about Amazon. Amazon is the big bad evil to a lot of folks. And uh, I was uh, reading an article from a blogger named Leela Barker, who owns a consulting firm called Lucky Break Consulting. And she wrote a piece in 2016 about the, 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 the launch of Amazon's Maker Marketplace. And it was very uh, angered in regards to it because a lot of her, you know, homemaker clients were very much strongly considering selling with Amazon instead of selling with Etsy. And she updated this piece for 2020, obviously, because of the very boom that we were talking about because of COVID. So what she says is sellers have been long frustrated with the ever evolving definition of the word handmade offered by Etsy, but Amazon's definition of handmade does nothing to put teeth into the concept. Unfortunately, Amazon's entry into the handmade world hasn't helped shore up the definition of so many of us seek. It's interesting to note that the, the Ballyhooed Three Birds in Espiasco, which was a unfortunate incident that occurred in 2015, wherein an Etsy reseller was actually using a Chinese maker in order to source goods that she was then reselling for profit on Etsy. The Three Birds Nest fiasco could easily exist on handmade at Amazon too, so long as the buttons are lovingly stitched one-on-one by the fresh-off-the-Chinese-boat headbands and assuming that the company constrains its growth to 20 employees or less. So we extrapolate that now to a situation where the profit margins are completely ostentatious by comparison to what they were in 2015 and 2016. And of course, you can still find, you could actually find some Chinese resellers on Etsy. I'm, I'm sure that anybody who's an Etsy fan who listens to this podcast, uh, you know, feel free to talk to the people who run Etsy and or send a, you know, a cease and desist or whatever you need to send to whatever, you know, reseller you find, but they exist on Etsy too. And the issue there is that when you can take the means of production out of your own hands and put them into somebody else's hands, and then you're raking in the profit, then you're taking away, largely taking away the DIY punk rock aesthetic from Etsy, and you're turning it into much more of a mass market uh, conglomerate. It's the very concept uh, to consider when people think about like a site like Vice starting off as, you know, a bunch of guys doing a DIY mag, kind of like a very much like a zine, and then it becoming this, you know, global conglomerate that has programming on HBO. 
So, and, and one is the one is not the same, and the same is not one. So, in relation to that, when you look at where Amazon is with their Maker's Marketplace, uh, Maker's Marketplace, it's crazy. When you get a piece of uh, merchandise from the Maker's Marketplace, the maker is not even able to advertise who or what they are and what they're doing. Uh, deep down the line, that turns into something where Amazon is able to possibly source out the making of goods that are Amazon branded because they're in the Amazon box or they could have Amazon tags even by the service and then moving their mass marketed kind of or their their mass consumption uh, maker model that's used in, you know, like the, 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 the sweatshop model, for lack of a better term, to American makers who are working out of their own homes. And yes, they are all sourcing their stuff and doing their stuff by hand. But ultimately, at the end of the day, their profits are being doled back to them by the larger Amazon uh, corporate, you know, parent company. There's something really terrifying about that when you think about something like that, like the, just the idea that that's a possible evolution of this. And it's because it's, it's something that's so benign, like, you know, I, I can pull up Etsy right now. And for instance, I am a fan of, you know, classic, you know, old T-shirts from uh, various other eras of music and various other eras of pop culture. I also like to find adult versions of T-shirts of things that I enjoyed when I was a kid. So, you know, it's it's a fun thing. I'll go, I'll watch a show I watched urban cowboy on hulu during the my during the the christmas holiday and i was so enamored with gillies that i decided i need to have some gillies western wear apparel so i, I found a mock-up of a gillies t-shirt on teespring but i'm like wait let me take a look on etsy because i feel like somewhere somehow some lovely North Texan has a bunch of Gillies t-shirts, which I found that they did. And I ordered a couple and it was a fascinating thing just to be able to get this thing in the mail and be like, wow, I had this crazy idea that I wanted a Gillies shirt. And then I got one in the mail from a person in Texas who had one sitting in dead stock in their house or sitting in dead stock in a store and not being able to resell it. And then they resell it to me for a profit. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing that occurs. So at the end of the day, we just get to a point with all of this where post-COVID world, not even post-COVID America, but post-COVID world is in a frustrating situation where people need to make revenue, people need to save their lives, people need to help their families, people need to keep clothes in their back and Water, out in their, water running in their faucets and electricity flowing through their power lines. And things are going to get pretty desperate. And the one thing that I will say about Amazon as compared to the Etsy's of the world is that they have a way of jumping into the fire or the firestorm rather of uh, troublesome and troubling times and oftentimes doing the lowest common denominator solution to, to aid an issue. So in this case, 
that very thing that I was talking about with people, you know, like working in quote unquote sweatshops out of their own homes for Amazon's maker marketplace makes absolute sense. On a reflexive side of things, the idea that people could literally sell everything in their entire homes in order to make their rent on Etsy is a thing that's absolutely possible. Can you find fine China on Etsy? Absolutely. Could you find a, a stock of forks on Etsy? Absolutely. Could you find Junior's baby shoes on Etsy with a picture of Junior walking around barefoot? Probably. Like these are things that, you know, because there's no like, there are standards and practices about what can be uploaded to Etsy, but those things are nebulous at a certain point because, you know, you, if you have an unlimited number of users, then you can't necessarily check everybody immediately always. Uh, Instagram's technology for checking your, your post to make sure that your nipple or the word COVID-19 isn't posting isn't necessarily something that trickles down to DIY maker apps with 25-year histories that have only just now, because of the midst of a horrible global pandemic, are experiencing unprecedented revenue growth. That just doesn't happen. So for me, as somebody who is fond of these apps and fond of these companies, I, I'm going to continue to support. And because mainly because I, I understand that the digital first universe allows me a unlimited plethora of opportunities to be able to reconnect my childhood or, you know, get a bath bomb delivered immediately to a hotel so that I can have a nice bath during the midst of the COVID pandemic. That's the thing I did. Not going to lie. <laughs> I absolutely did that. And I, I am not mad at myself for doing it. So thinking about things on the positive of this, the idea that when we lose companies and we, and we, and we don't believe that innovation is possible, uh, we, we lose out on some of our ability to independently free think as just people. I think that places like Etsy and places like Amazon's maker marketplace uh, indoctrinate in people who are probably scared and or nervous about the idea of engaging in wild free thought, like, hey, let me start my own company from home, when they could be possibly successful at it, or even I need to start a second job, like, you know, people are angry about Dolly Parton uh, advertising Squarespace and telling people that they should work from five to nine, and then launching her, uh, her perfume brand via that commercial. It's it's not bad. Like, this is what we do now. You know, it's, it, it's, it's, yeah, weird that Dolly's making that song. And yeah, it's weird that, you know, like we're in the midst of a terrible time in the world and everybody has to work four to six extra hours a day. But at the end of the day, like, what else are we going to do? We're supposed to be inside theoretically. And on top of that, like we're, these are unusual times. So in the midst of unusual times, you do unusual things. And from those unusual things, you learn very usual things because that's the reflexive property of the universe at work. So yeah. In full, if you're not a user of Amazon's uh, Maker Marketplace or Etsy, I would strongly suggest you do so because I feel like these are two growth properties that are going to play a much more dynamic role in our lives moving forward as we all get vaccinated and get back to quote unquote things as normal.
In any event, if you are looking to find me on social media, uh, you can find me at, at Marcus with the CK Dowling, D-O-W-L-I-N-G, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And uh, you can find the Get MKD podcast on Instagram at, at Get MKD and on Twitter at, at Get MKD and on Facebook at, at Get MKD. Uh, this has been just a wonderful time, actually, to take a brief aside to talk about the nature of this podcast. It's been wonderful to put these out. Uh, there will be first, there will be 13 episodes in this first run. Then we'll be taking a break, and we will be coming back in a different format with the same level of content uh, in a month prior, in a month following. So thanks again for listening, and I will see you soon before I see you later. Have a great day.